Well, hello there. Would you mind giving me an audio test, my dear? Well, hello there, my fellow dear. Aww. Um, we, are we two little deer just hanging out in the woods? Yep. Eating some whatever deer eat. Some heather? Yeah. As long Gray as it's heather, not... it's not in blue. Welcome to Chronically Narnia, the podcast in which my co-host and I discuss the Chronicles of Narnia chapter by chapter. And today we are discussing chapter 8 of The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. This chapter is titled Two Narrow Escapes. Two of them. I am the gold toe caps of Edmund's boots, also known as Kristen, and this is my co-host. I'm a very stupid animal. <laughs> Also known as Chris. <laughs> that can, one tickled you. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> um, occasionally. Uh, anyway. Oh no. Uh huh. Oh no, oh no. <laughs> uh huh. Welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, how you doing? That's a way to start. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so, I'm doing well. <laughs> Uh-huh. I fell down the stairs this week, and so I've been incredibly sore, but... You didn't break anything, though. I didn't break anything. You're continuing your 30-plus your year long streak of never having broken a bone. Yes, indeed. Very yeah. successful. I'm proud of you. But uh, with that said, mm-hmm. how, how's your week been? Uh, my week's been pretty good. Yeah? Pretty, pretty good. Delightful. Uh-huh. So nothing, nothing, nothing terribly bad has happened to me like that. Uh, we, we, we did get our first dose of the COVID vaccine, so Huzzah. hooray. Well, you know, by the time the next episode comes out, I think we'll be fully protected. No, a couple more episodes. No, when, when the next episode comes out, we should be getting our next dose. Cool. We will be fully COVID protected and we can go like a bunch of wild animals without any repercussions. <laughs> no. Is that not how it works? No. Darn. I was excited about that too. Anyway. <laughs> So we should actually talk about the book. We Here should. we are. We should. Chapter eight. Mm-hmm. Two narrow escapes. Two of them. Right. So with that said, mm-hmm. we do this thing. What do we do, Chris? Why don't you intro this segment? How many episodes have we done of the show? It's called a rewrite, and I know what we do. I just it's, can't word it. It's not called a rewrite. It's called a summary. It rewrites later. So we summarize the chapter at the beginning of the show. We pick five sentences out of the chapter and uh, just use that as an intro point to uh, talk about the rest of it. So since Kristen needs a moment to gather her thoughts, I'm going to go first here and go ahead and read my rewrite. Your rewrite, huh? I'm gonna I thought go, it was called the summary. I'm going to go ahead and read my summary. Apparently the coffee that we had this morning just doesn't have caffeine in it. Apparently. Uh-huh. It's very good coffee, though. Anyway, so here is my summary of chapter eight. They called that land Burnt Island and sailed away before noon. For at that very moment, whether because the sea serpent was being pushed too hard or because it foolishly decided to draw the noose tight, the whole of the carved stern broke off and the ship was free. Their search revealed, one by one, a helmet, a dagger, and a few coins, not Calorman crescents, but genuine Narnian lions and trees, such as you might see any day in the marketplaces of Beaver's Dam or Baruna. The king who owned this island, said Caspian slowly, and his face flushed as he spoke, would soon be the richest of all kings of the world. And if I might have the honor of naming this island, I should call it Deathwater. Okay. All right. All right. So, all right. There you go. What you got? Every man rushed to his weapon. But there was nothing to be done. The monster was out of reach. What is certain is that it was a very stupid animal. For instead of pursuing the ship, it turned its head round and began nosing all along its own body as if it expected to find the wreckage of the Dawn Treader there. In the morning, they found themselves in the green bay of a rugged, lonely-looking country which sloped up to a rocky summit. That water turns things into gold. 
The only thing I could get clear was that they think they found the body of one of these lords we're looking for. There we go. Good summary as well. I, uh, I you agree did with... a lot more of the character focus. I, I, yeah, sometimes I do that. <laughs> um, no, I agree that it, it did almost feel like it needed more than five sentences in the summary because a lot of stuff does happen in this chapter. And there's, uh, there's quite a few things that are worth talking about, so I think we should just dive right into it. All right. Burnt Island. So one, we, one whole paragraph. We, we have a whole paragraph, but I didn't want to skip over it because it has a MacGuffin there that I think is going to come into play later. And there is a Reap plot a point. boat? Reap a cheap finds a boat. Mm -hmm. uh, and he finds a boat that's his size. It's a little, like, four-foot-long canoe that they're like, well, either this is made for children or this was, like, an island populated by dwarves. Because they've come and find this burnt-out island. They also say that they found bones, though. So, like, they should have been able to more clearly identify whether there were dwarves or humans here. You would think at least so. to some extent based on the bones they found. You would think. Maybe none of them are anatomy experts. Um, yeah, but they, they find this little burnt-out... You need to say that Eustace wouldn't know. Uh, He's been reading all of the wrong books. Gosh, so. that's true. Maybe Eustace would know. Hmm. Anyway, so they find this little burnt-out <laughs> island uh, with a bunch of little huts on it that are abandoned. Uh, they find bones, they find char marks, and like it, it seems like maybe this island had been attacked by a dragon, possibly or pirates, possibly, but relatively recently, mm -hmm. not like a decade ago. Yeah, uh, and it might have been the dragon that we found uh, on Dragon Island that uh, that Eustace ate. Maybe um, the dragon that had been used to. Yeah, since since from the peaks of Dragon Island we could see this other island, so it's reasonably within flying distance. Yes. So also Eustace could have flown here, and they could have boated here. Yeah, yeah, they kind of. And then they could have gotten a look from here. I didn't. I, at the yeah. coming adventure. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to call it a plot hole because, like, I yeah, they they saw this land from Dragon Island. Yes. So, like, I mean... From flying above Dragon Island, yes. Yeah. I mean, the, there's there sometimes are, like, illusions and things, and, like, objects in the mirror might be closer than they appear, or vice versa, uh, where, like, sometimes in the open sea, things can look a lot closer than they really are. So, maybe it's, it was right to be cautious. It's like, we I don't mean, want... they still could have make, made an attempt. Like, they're yeah. like, hey, how are we going to move everything to fit the dragon on the boat? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, I mean, they could have at least made the attempt to see it, have Eustace try to get there. Yeah. See how far he could get as a dragon. Yeah, he was And they could have at least made a little more progress forward before they decided how to get Eustace onto the ship. Yeah, I guess so, but plot. Um, plot needs to happen. However, that that's pretty much all we get off of Burnt Island. Reba Sheep gets a cool new canoe exciting i'm sure that's going to come into play later then we're we're a sail again uh we we should cover this bit because it says eustace lost two games of chess to reap a cheap and began to get like his old and disagreeable self again oh i see it's very important to include this yes yes well we say in the very end of the last chapter like eustace begins to get better and he begins to improve uh and also it says he had relapses uh, there are many, still many days where he can be very tiresome, but most of those I shall not notice. So we're still noticing a few of those, and this is one of them. Yes. And apparently all it takes is him getting wet and losing two games of chess. So, like, the the, the precipice of him being a changed man is, uh, is very thin. <laughs> However, gets... in this chapter, we also have a line I wrote down that said, Eustace now did the first brave thing he had ever done. So this chapter covers a range of behavior from Eustace, that I think, like I figured you might want to spend some time on. But mm. let's get to that other line that I said before we dive more into Eustace's behavior in this chapter. Yes, the other, yeah. We'll, we'll get into that. Eustace is a spectrum. And we should cover <laughs> the... Uh, the full... The, the full range of Eustace. Uh, and Ed, even Edmund said he wished they could have gone to America with Susan. Yeah. It's like, even, even Edmund, like adventurous lad he is, is tired of this. And is just like, well, yeah, wish, wish we wouldn't have come. The rain, you know? The yeah. rain gets anyone down. The rain. Uh, and then anyway, we... So we keep sailing, and then we see something off the horizon. What is Looks it? like a series of rocks or, or some sort of humps in the water. Behind but then, us? But then they start moving. How do we get past those in the storm? That's a great question, but we don't need to because they start moving toward us. Uh-oh. On the Dawn Treader. 
and it shows up, and it turns out to be uh, one of those creatures that everybody wants to see until they actually do it. It's yeah. a sea serpent. Ooh. And we have a protracted battle with a sea serpent, and you, know, you, you cannot have a ship story of any kind in a fantasy setting without having a sea serpent battle. You just can't do it. Well, I it has mean, to be there. Especially especially when you've already had a dragon, you definitely need to make sure that there's a sea serpent as well. With that said, though, I want to point out that this this scene is the cover art from the copies of the books that I grew up with. What a spoiler. I know, right? Like, the cover art from yours has, like, a crying dragon in it with you uh, with Reaper Cheap yeah. standing next to him, like... Could be anybody. Could be anybody. <laughs> but that said, in my copy of the book, it was these humps of the sea serpent's tail behind it at, coming up to the Dawn Treader. Mm-hmm. And that was my, the cover that I, of the book as I read it as a kid. Mm-hmm. Anyway, the, so the serpent's huge, uh, enormous, ugly. It starts attacking the ship with, by kind of, it's trying to construct the ship, basically, like a big old bow constrictor or something. Indeed. So it starts trying to wrap itself around, and then everybody gets their weapons and two arms, etc., etc. Everybody. Who does it first? Who attacks that thing first? Well, technically, the archers do, because the master bowman calls out, you know, shoot, shoot, everybody to arms. The archers draw back and fire and doesn't do anything because it's like the thing has some kind of iron armor on. Uh-huh. I'm going to say it probably has an AC of like 8, 19. At something least. crazy. Uh, however, the first person who attacks it martially when it starts constricting the ship is Eustace. And this is the first brave thing he's ever done. Which I disagree with. And I think that's a point of contention because I think in the last chapter we have the first brave thing Eustace has ever done. What is that? Following the lion? Uh, Yeah, like... I would say a lot of the interaction between Eustace and Aslan at the pool is like, you know, he digs into himself and he peels off these three layers of his skin. Yeah. And then this 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 lion that he doesn't know from Adam, haha, um, is this, <laughs> this this very this beast that he's very afraid of is just like, I'm gonna need to take your skin off, mm-hmm. and he's like, okay, yeah, sure. Like, is that not bravery? Is that not him? being courageous that's fair yeah because i'm like i think i think when we get into a discussion about pride later which is going to happen spoiler Mm -hmm. um i think that it had more to do with overcoming pride than it had to do with overcoming fear yeah but sometimes those can be the same yeah uh but anyway. Sometimes overcoming pride can be an act of bravery, so maybe you're right. But either way. Maybe either way. This so. is the first noble, brave thing that he's done mm-hmm. in, a, in a knightly sense. Yep, and he goes right up and, and pulls a reaper shape. And he pulls out a sword and starts hacking away at this thing, which doesn't do any good rather, other than to ruin uh, Caspian's second best sword. Yep. But everybody still applauds him for it later, and that was a noble act. Uh, but he tries. Yep. But then Reepicheep has an idea, and there's there's this kind of wait, roll. Wait, 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 wait. <laughs> there's what? There's a roll reversal. No way. Uh huh. Reepicheep has development. Yes, Reepicheep has development where he, he he is not like oh let's attack it, and he comes up with the idea of being like we need to push this thing. If we can get on the ship and push against it, we can possibly move like the creature or the ship or create movement. And get the loop of the of the sea serpent past the ship so that we can break free. Yes, which is a very clever idea. Idea, and I think that it's interesting because this is a sea serpent. It's essentially a kind of snake, and Reepicheep is a mouse, which is one of snakes' meals. Mm-hmm. Snakes tend to eat rats and mice and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. And I think that there might be some kind of implication of like a. A racial bonus, if you will, <laughs> for Reepicheep being a mouse here where he has this clever idea on how to escape from the serpent because he has this genetic uh, predisposition to be uh, running away from these kind of creatures. Okay. It's yeah. a thought. It's the first thing that I thought, at least. Yeah, I didn't get there, but I, I like where your head's at. Yeah. So he calls everybody to go ahead and, like, push up against this creature, and everybody immediately gets this idea and lines up and starts, like, heaving and hoeing. Uh, that's 
that's the proper parlance for that, I think. Maybe. And trying to are shove... You, are you heaving or are you hoeing? Um, there's no farm on this ship. Anyway, <laughs> especially after we lost the chickens in the storm. <laughs> yeah. So we start trying to shove the sea serpent off the back. Everybody's putting their backs into it, except Lucy. Whatever. And like Reed the Cheap, who nearly killed himself yeah, with the effort like the by himself. The, the tiny mouse is putting all his all into it and nearly killing himself with the effort. And Lucy's just like, yeah, whatever. I hate. Lucy knows where things are. <laughs> yes, because they, they get it almost to the back of the ship. And they're like, oh, wait, the carved stern is too high. It's already tightened its loop too much. We're never going to get it over. But then we call out for an axe. And Lucy who is the knower of where things are, Yes, uh, goes and gets an axe, but that's a moot point anyway, because it just snaps off. We would have no development of Lucy's character if we didn't know that she was the knower of where the axes are stored. (laughs) Okay? That is true. Uh, She she... wouldn't have any role in this chapter, useless or not. Well, she calls people idiots later, but that's... (laughs) Well, (laughs) we'll get there. People, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Anywho... So it breaks the carved stern off. So the ship has now been damaged. It's been injured for yep. the first time, about halfway through the book. But we get rid you of the mean besides losing its mast before. Oh, that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been further injured. It's taken a beating. Uh, the sea serpent, though, we, we shove off. And it's a really dumb creature, apparently. So it doesn't, like, immediately turn and give chase. And it's just like, well, obviously it worked. Where's where's all the people I was trying to eat? And gets distracted and the Don Treader escapes. Indeed. Huzzah. Mm-hmm. Noble efforts, every all, everyone, Eustace included. Yep. They they applaud Eustace for... I do uh, really like the moment where Reepicheep says, don't attack it! And everyone's like, what? <laughs> what? Reepicheep be saying that? Reepicheep. Calm down. <laughs> what just happened? I like that that's how he most fully gets everyone's attention, though, is like for Reepicheep to be like, don't fight. It, it, it is a shocker. So then they start sail again. Yes. and Well, they make it right into the bay of the next place. Yeah, but, a, but a few days later, make it into the bay of the next island because this is an island hopping adventure. As previously stated. And, we, <laughs> and we're able to refill our water. And start exploring the island a little bit, and our our crew, uh, and I, I'm I, I got a little confused as to who exactly makes this journey because it, it's there's a lot of people there. Uh, it's for sure Caspian, Edmund, Lucy, and Eustace, and Reepicheep. Yes, I don't know if there's anybody else, but it, it is for sure all of them that decide to go on this hike. But Drinian rows them to the stream, mm-hmm. and then they go on their little hike. Yes, yeah. So they go up a hike to the top of the hill, and they're just like, well, let's see what we can see. They get up, realize it's a very tiny island. Uh, it's only 20 acres. It's like a mountain and a couple streams, and, you know, there's a fun little lake that one of these streams is coming off of. It's funny. I don't actually remember that information. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they, they get up there, and then they, they find something interesting while they're kind of sitting around and, you know, spying what they spy. No way. There's interesting stuff here. And Edmund, uh, I believe it's Edmund, gets stuck by something. Yeah, he tries to sit down with them at this little cliff edge over this water mm-hmm. and uh, sits down on something sharp. Ow, he says. It was a sword hilt. I, I really hate it when I accidentally sit on sword hilts. It's very painful. It is painful. Uh, but they find, by Jove, a whole sword, uh, at least what the rest is left of it. And it looks Narnian, says Caspian. And then they figure out this whole area is littered with the remnants of what seems to be a Narnian. Because, as I said in my summary, so they find a dagger, they find a helm, they find Narnian coins, which wanted to point out... This is the first time Narnian money has ever been talked about in any way. Yep, book five, and this is the first mention we ever have of Narnian currency. And it's named after the lion? And what else? Trees. Lewis! <laughs> Lewis! Lewis, and your dang trees. Uh-huh. I'm surprised one isn't a seagull. <laughs> Golly gee. <laughs> Those tree coins. Which lion's obvious. I was trying to kind of figure out what the tree would be. Like, is that just like the tree that protected Narnia for a thousand years? Because that probably seems like the most likely Yeah, it's fair enough. Thing. So, probably it. Um, also, though, at this point, Lewis hadn't written that, so... 
can't really be an intentional reference to that. The, it's not mentioned in Lion, the Witch, in the Wardrobe? I thought it was. The tree that yeah. protects? No. Okay. Oh, well. I thought it was mentioned at least. Anyway, we said that, so we have the lion and tree coins, and we determined this is probably one of the seven lords they were looking for. Who it is, we have no idea. We don't learn by the end of the chapter. We never know. Uh, we do eventually know. Oh, oh do we? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I was like, by process of elimination, at some point maybe they find out because they find the other three or four, whoever's missing. Four. Cool. Um, anyway, and they got to find a way to avenge him, according to Reaper Cheap. Yes, we must avenge him. But then there's a little, there's a little like murder mystery, and we got to figure out what happened here, because the armor's there, but there's no bones, there's no body of any kind, uh, and we like you know an enemy would have would have taken his his armor and, and weapons probably yeah so it probably wasn't that uh, wild animals apparently wouldn't be able to remove a body from the chainmail shirt so we can we can assume it's not wild animals either uh, Eustace is just like yep a dragon couldn't do this. I should know. I was a dragon for three whole days, fully capable, fully aware of the capabilities of a dragon. Obviously. So, obviously couldn't have been a dragon. Obviously. But then, they find some more weirdness. Uh, so they come down closer to this lake that the river flows out of, and they, they see the bottom of this pool, which has a bunch of grayish blue stones on it. And right as Eustace is about to reach into the water... Yep. Uh, right what as- happens? They, they find something weird. They find a life-size figure of a man made apparently of gold. Fabulous. A they, statue. Got it. Yep. They find a statue. We have words for those. Yes. <laughs> they find a statue down there, which Lucy thinks is the most beautiful statue she has ever seen. Wow. So apparently whoever this lord was, he was pretty attractive. Well, maybe Lucy just likes gold. That's entirely possible. She's a girl after all. Shut up. <laughs> anyway. So they find this statue of a man, and they're like, well, we could try to recover it. No, it's if it's solid gold, it's too heavy. But let's test the depth. And Edmund takes a spear out and tries to figure out how deep the water is, sticks the spear in, which suddenly gets very, very heavy. Yep. And he drops it. And as soon as he drops it, what happens? It, it also falls down next to the statue and is the same color as the statue. Yep. So obviously the statue wasn't gold. That's the logical conclusion. Yeah. So that someone comes to. Yep, that's what we should figure out. Like something in the water is making is making this illusion happen, where it's making everything look gold. Mm-hmm. But then uh, Edmund, who's struggling by the water surface, uh, kind of comes back, and it's just like, nope, everybody get back, go. This is dangerous. His shoes have turned to gold. His his shoe tips. Have turned. Good thing he wasn't barefoot. Good thing. Because he figures out his shoe tips have turned to gold, and, and his they're shoes just like, are heavy as lead. Uh, there. <laughs> or as gold. And so we figure out this is some sort of magical pool that turns everything it touches into gold. This is like the little Midas Lake or something like it that. It is a little Midas Lake. And Which I, is why I told you there was be at least one other reference to greed at some point. I know. Which might undermine your theories <laughs> about the seven lords being representative of the seven sins. Yes. And I want to get there. However, I did gloss over something that I feel like we should go back and talk about a little bit. Okay. Uh, where, while we're trying to figure out what happened here, there's this line. Edmund, the only one of the party who had read several detective stories, had meanwhile been thinking. See, you so, said the words murder mystery earlier. I thought that was your reference to that. Well, no. Uh, so Edmund has read the right books. <laughs> so we're, we're doing a little contrast here. It doesn't say that outright. However, we're implying that very strongly. Yes, he's read the right books. Those are the right books. To know Um, about, you know, gold water. Of course. Um, So, anywho. uh, Edmund's shoes turn to gold. And then they they Which they also don't, like, come back and explain later how he explains to the crew that he, A, didn't have shoes when he got back, or B, had gold shoes when he got back. Yeah, it's a very convoluted story. Um, and they, they surmise what happened to this Lord was that he was, you know, up here on a hot day. Just like, you know what? I'm going to take my, my clothing off and jump in that go water. down, get down. My question is this, and it, we're going to pause here because I have a few things to talk about. Here's my first question. They found the remains of like this one Lord here, uh, as they did on the previous Island. Yes. Or who 
we can assume was the dragon or got eaten by the dragon or something. One, one could probably assume that these lords aren't coming, like, all the way out here to the edge of the world on, like, an empty ship. Just like, hey, it's one guy on a boat sailing out into the middle of nowhere. Like, they've got to have crews. Yeah, did the crew just yeah. leave? <laughs> yeah. Like, did the crew leave? Did they not even try to recover anything of them? Like, there's no more bodies in the water, so nobody else made the same mistake and fell in. It's like, what happened to the crews or, you know, the ships of these lords? Like, they just left the island and went on without him? Apparently. Like... <laughs> Maybe someone saw him and told everybody that he got deaded and run away, run away, run away. Yeah. And it's like, is that what happened in the previous island? Like, they saw a dragon, maybe, and were just like, all right, well, so much for Octesian. Yep. Run away, run away, run away. Yeah. So, like, at the end of this adventure, are we going to come to, like, our final island where we have, like, the crews of seven ships that are all just, like, starting a new society? Maybe. Like, is this a thing that happens? Possibly. Baseless speculation's coming a little early, isn't it? Oh, no. I have I have a very different direction I'm going, baseless <laughs> speculation. However, that's one of my questions, is what happened to the crew? And then I have um, a revision to make. A revision. So this is no longer part of baseless speculation because this is absolutely what the story is doing. But my idea that uh, all of these islands are representing one of the deadly sins. Ooh, okay. Absolutely true at this point. Like, we've confirmed it a third time. So the first island, uh, Lonely Islands, it was Sloth. The second island we came to... Uh, we had talked about being greed because, like, there's the pile of gold. There's Eustace wanting to, like, he put, take some of the gold and he becomes a dragon. And that seems very greed-like. However, I think I need to revise that. And I need to go with my very first impression of what that island would be once we get there. Uh, you know, before we before Eustace is dragon than anything, we talked about a little bit about what sin this island would be. Now, it was at the point where Eustace first walked away from the, the work and goes on a hike and gets to the top of the mountain, where I was like, maybe this one's going to be pride. And I think I have to go back and revise that and say, it might be. Uh, because you this, mean you agree with me? I agree with you. You have to give me credit you, for this yes, point. Yes, yes. You, you brought this up, and I agree with you, because like this island is so very obviously greed. Like We'll get a little to the fight that happens, but it's it, it, it can't be anything else. Mm-hmm. Because, like, gold and, you know, Caspian has this, you know, he, he gets real gold excited. Um, <laughs> anyway. But, yeah, uh, Dragon Island, I think, has to be pride. And I think it takes a little bit of more work for us to get there. But I do, I do think it makes as much sense as greed does for that one. I think because... it does, too. Because I think that the biggest point of, like what what prevented anyone from being undragoned would have to be pride mm -hmm. because Eustace is taken to the pool he is told that he needs to undress and he tries to do it himself he tries to do it himself he tries to do it himself and Aslan says I have to do it for you mm -hmm. and that is a moment of pride being the only thing that would stop Eustace from being undragoned and is it possible that Octesian had too much pride to let Aslan, Aslan undragon him? Mm -hmm. And so that that is a question to ask. That said, though, I also still believe that each of the seven books represents one of the seven sins, and this whole book is about greed. So yeah, I mean that does make sense too, because with the Lonely Islands, we have the Calarmine like slave traders. Mm -hmm. Like it's we could we could very easily do greed. Uh, We'll have a lot to talk about with that when we finish this, and I actually know like what happens in the rest of the book. Yes. Um, Kristen is saying it makes sense though, and she has read this book before, so we'll we'll get there. We'll I mean, cross... it makes it makes sense either way. We'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll cross that bridge. I've uh, read articles and scholarly papers that said both things: that this book is entirely about greed, or that this book is uh, an allegory for the seven deadly sins in each island. Or Lord represents one. So, so, so you have evidence to support both of them. So you're saying this isn't a unique idea that I've come up with that nobody else has ever come to? Uh, no. Darn. No, it's okay. not. All right. Um, so anywho, what well, makes me feel like I'm not crazy at least. There you but, go. But uh, that's, that's for baseless speculation at the end of this chapter. We'll get there. So we discover that this thing can turn anything into gold. 
And then something curious. Including, including plants. And something real curious happens to the boys up here. Mm-hmm. Or at least Caspian and Edmund. Because Caspian's just like, you know what? Anybody who owns this island is going to be the richest person on the planet. Like, uh, but nope, nope. Already, I'm going to call this Goldwater Island. Everybody's sworn to secrecy. Claiming nobody claiming it for Narnia. Nobody tells anybody. Nobody even tells Drenian on pain of death. And it's just like immediately, nope, you don't tell the captain of this ship. I'm going to kill you. And then Edmund is just like, who are you talking to? I, you're not my king. I'm your king. Mm. Mm. Or at least, if anything, you're, uh, you know, you're, you have allegiance to my brother. And like, I, I am pulling rank over you. Weird flex, and, but okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Caspian puts his hand on his, the hilt of his sword. And it's just like, this is going to come to blows. And then Lucy comes in and it's just like, you know what? Boys are idiots. <laughs> yep. And she's just like... You... Stupid animal. Boys are idiots. Yep. Lucy's getting really opinionated in this chapter. <laughs> Smug look on its face. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, she's just like, you know what? Y'all stop. This isn't worth fighting over. But then she sees something. Everybody else sees something. And what do we see, Kristen? What shows up on this island? I don't remember. I've got this weird confusion and haze over this entire <laughs> section of the book. Well, it's the biggest lion anybody's ever seen. Was it the size of an elephant? It might be the size of an elephant or maybe the size of a cart horse. Really not. Probably some disagreement on there. However, everybody knows this is Aslan and showing up. And he doesn't even do anything. He just shows up and he sits there. And as far as we know, that's that's all that happens. Yep. Um, and he shows up and then he disappears and then everybody's just like, what was that all about? Yeah, what, what happened? What are we doing? What? what? Huh? We should... Mm-hmm. Reaper Cheap's like, we should call this dead water. Yeah. Death water? Death water. Death water. Yeah. But we Aslan... should get out of here and we should get going because Drenian will want to be leaving now. Mm-hmm. But it should we pause here and, and, and discuss, is this, so is this another interesting aspect of Aslan's power where it seems like he's not really doing anything, but, he's, but it's his, his presence, his presence, is presence breaking itself. breaking an enchantment. Mm-hmm. I mean, his presence ha- uh, stopped Shasta from falling off the mountain. His presence mm-hmm. led Lucy and Peter and Edmund and Susan to Caspian's aid. Mm-hmm. His presence does a lot. Yes. And I do think it's curious that... His presence broke the witch's winter. Just him being there. Yeah. Showing up. We can... Uh, I mean, we could go deep into the theology of this and be like, this means Aslan is not omnipresent in the Narnian universe. Hmm. Um, anyway. Does it? No. Because his presence can be absent, and when it shows up, it does stuff. However, we won't go into that. We I do, won't, huh? Well, <laughs> not here. Uh, I do think it's worth noting that Aslan doesn't seem to be discouraging this journey, though. He's coming up and not getting the Not the journey. He, he blessed the journey when... Um, yeah. When Caspian basically asked permission to go on this journey. Yeah. And he was like, cool. And he keeps showing up to get them out of binds. And for whatever reason, Aslan seems to want them to continue on. Yes. It's like his blessing is here. We don't know why. Maybe at the end we get near Aslan's country or something. I don't know. But yeah, it seems to be. Maybe not. Maybe. Maybe not. Seems to be the plan. Uh, But anyway. Then everybody has a weird memory moment, uh, yep. and it gets fuzzy. We don't know why we're here anymore. We're going to go. We should go. Drinian, Drinian wants to leave. Let's leave. Drinian's yep. not even here, but Drinian wants to leave. Let's leave. And so we come back to the ship, and Drinian and Rince are just like, don't know what happened. They were bewitched somehow, I guess. There was some kind of curse, whatever. Uh, but, hey, look, they found one of the bodies of the Narnian lords. Another check marks in the box like hey look we only have to find four more four more and you know we're about halfway through the book right here so we need to hurry up our pace a little bit i mean if yeah. we're gonna have a res- resolution we got to find the next four like real quick pretty quick um so yeah at this rate we might be home soon after the new year there you go and it's a good thing because uh rinse's backy's running a bit low what his what his backy his what now <laughs> I wrote that down with a question mark, and I was just like, is this really about his tobacco running low? Like, is that what this is about? Yep. Apparently. Poor rinse. Yeah. Uh, Gotta find an island where tobacco grows. Indeed. 
So that is... Who's growing the tobacco in Narnia? Oh, man. Gosh, what's a... What's a good animal stereotype for growing tobacco? Possums. I want to say possums. <laughs> I was going to say hard-pressed detective pigeons, but, you know. <laughs> Gosh, I want, I, I want to do that webcomic so bad. Anyway, <laughs> referencing things that our listeners will be utterly confused by. So, anywho, that's the chapter. Is there anything that we need to cover that we haven't covered yet? <sighs> no, I think that's... I think that we've really hit on everything. Let me check. Yeah, on my notes. The only other thing that I wanted to say maybe anything about was, like, Burnt Island, the first thing that everyone jumped to was, like, pirates. But also, they haven't seen pirates in a while. Mm -hmm. So, like, why is the first thing that they pop up in their head? Pirates, like... But they're also way the heck out in uncharted territory and all these, uh, you know, uninhabited islands, or at least presumably, no, presumably, uninhabited. we do find evidence of habitation. Like, there's no reason for pirates to be out here. Like, these aren't shipping routes. Like, these aren't populated lands. Like, if pirates are out here, they're out here to like hide out from the law, I guess. But they're weeks away from civilization, yeah. so it doesn't doesn't make a lot of sense that they'd be out here in the first place. Precisely. So why is the first guess pirates? Everything's all burnt up. First guess pirates? Mm -hmm. Well, we just left Dragon Island yesterday, so maybe it was the dragon, y'all. Well, you know how pirates breathe fire sometimes. Yep. That's, that's how they be. Totally. <laughs> so anywho, uh, that's what happens. Should we roll right on over into our... Uh... Rewrite territory? Sure. So the next thing that we do after we discuss the chapter is that while Chris and I are reading the chapters, we try to pull five sentences out of the chapter to tell a new story. We call this Narnia Chopped and Screwed, or the Narnia Fusion Buffet. Hashtag. Mm-hmm. Yes. So we do that, and this is the part where we try to read our new stories. I like to see what kind of new point of view these stories bring to me for the text a lot of times. Mm -hmm. But it's not, it's not all, like, the whole point is just for us to be creative. And yeah, it's fun. And it frequently brings about some more conversation. Yeah. So, since I read my summary first, do you want to read your rewrite first? Absolutely. Something that I frequently try to do when I'm doing my rewrites is to only mention the name of, like, a maximum of one character. Uh-huh. This is something that I try to do in order to, like, create a new story by uh, separating us from the character names and mm -hmm. not being, like, this person, this person, this person, so that there isn't that association of who those characters are. Uh-huh. On this one, unfortunately, I had to mention a couple of characters. Gosh, how could you? I know. Um... But I think I got it down to only two, and we'll see how it goes. So here is my rewrite. Looks as if this might be all that's left of one of our seven lords, said Edmund. It was a low, green island, inhabited by nothing but rabbits and a few goats, but from the ruins of stone huts and from blackened places where fires had been, they judged that it had been peopled not long before. Reepicheep alone had, of course, no more chance of doing this than of lifting up a cathedral, but he had nearly killed himself with trying before the others shoved him aside. Something happened to them in that place. But in fact, they had not much to tell, for the memory of the last hour had all become confused. Okay. This is like expanding the story of the Burnt Island and what happened there. Yeah, Reepicheep killed everybody, obviously. <laughs> uh, that Reepicheep line was really good, and I wanted to use that one. I almost did in my rewrite. Yeah. However, something happened that has rarely happened before, and we have the same line in the same place on our rewritten stories. Tell me more. Uh, so I will go ahead and read mine. Go for it. goes as follows. <clears throat> Which, And I'll preface this by saying mine isn't necessarily a rewrite and a new story entirely. It is an alternate take on a thing that already happened typical so <laughs> typical but i thought it worked too well to not do and we're gonna so it has come to that 
King Edmund, has it? said Caspian, laying his hand on his sword hilt. What's wrong? asked several voices at once, for Edmund had suddenly let go of the spear. You're all such swaggering, bullying idiots. Oh! Her voice died away into a gasp. Something happened to them in that place. Nobody dared to ask what it was. No, Lucy! <laughs> yeah. So that was my take on uh, Caspian and Edmund actually getting into a fight and Lucy uh, getting caught in the crossfire of that. So which sentence? Uh, something happened to them in that place in sentence four. That's my fourth. What was your last sentence? My last sentence was, nobody dared to ask what it was. There you go. Okay. Yeah. So, That's, there you go. I was confused. <laughs> that, uh, that very rarely happens, but... So it's go. a good fourth sentence in the story. It is. It's a good fourth sentence. Sentence. Cool. So with that, let's go ahead and go into our last segment, Baseless Speculation. This one's mostly yours, Chris. So why don't you go ahead and explain what we're doing? What do we do? What do you do? Uh, why? So, so aside from a few notable moments, uh, I have not read any of these books prior, uh, except for Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe prior to doing this podcast all these caveats that I have to add on because people yell at me if I don't exactly clarify what I mean. Anyway, <laughs> I'll get I'll get angry phone calls into the show. I mean, Tumnus is still really upset about that. He really is. He's he's someone broke into his house to call us. Like, come on. I I pity Nathan and the repercussions of that. <laughs> um, anywho, so I like to baselessly speculate and take the information that's available to me as a not non uh, as a first time reader and uh, see you know, where the story might take us. And I'm going to go a different thread than I have been going the past few chapters because the past few chapters have been trying to build on this idea of the islands being sins and what that looks like. And I think we've established that as fact at this point, so it's no longer baseless, and so it doesn't belong in this segment anymore. So I have something completely new for us, kind of. Tell me, kind of. So I want to start by saying that I'm not going to describe a time loop. <laughs> okay. Because I don't... This isn't really a time loop type situation. However, I think that this book is something of like a time echo, as it were. And the idea that I'm, I'm most closely trying to approach is if anybody has ever read the book uh, Cloud Atlas. And where it's the idea of like, it's not necessarily that time is repeating itself, but there are patterns... Uh, and like archetypes that people in time fall into and the same kinds of stories get told over and over and over again. And the people are different and the way that people can respond to things are different, but there's always these like circumstances that tend to play out. Okay. And that kind of like, you know, time is a flat circle, like the same things that'll happen before will happen again. Yeah. And that's where I'm entering into this because I feel like our... Our Don Treader crew are reliving the adventures of the seven lords of Narnia that we're trying to find. Okay. And they're following the same path. And I thought that was really interesting because here are the named characters that we have on the Don Treader. We have Edmund, Lucy, Eustace, Caspian, Drinian, Rince, and Reapacheep. There's seven of them. There's seven named characters on the ship. Wow. <sighs> okay. Okay. And so far, we have had three of these characters have individual experiences on all of these islands that seem to almost mirror the lords that they're looking for. And first, first we have Caspian finding Burn on the Lonely Islands. And being and, asked to stay. And being asked to stay. As Burn stayed for his yes. woman. Yes. And being a leader and trying to free people, which Caspian has done. And kind of becoming becoming this character on this island that has tried to pull it out of its, you know, uh, kind of slave trading ways. Okay. And, and, and free it. Next we have Eustace, who very directly follows what probably happened to Octasian. Mm -hmm. And finds this dragon horde and gets cursed. And he is able to break out of it by being humble and submitting himself. Whereas Jackson, yes. Octasian wasn't. Next we have Edmund, who is echoing whoever the Deathwater Island Lord is. We'll find out later. But Edmund is the one who very nearly loses himself into the gold. And he's the one that, you know, 
pulls rank and is like, you know, no, this is mine. I have the claim to this place, but is able to pull himself back and not fall in fully to this. Okay. And so going further in the book, we have Lucy, Drinny, and Rance and Reepicheep, who presumably are going to have their own moments where they are going to echo the fates or overcome the fates of these other four lords of Darnia. Fascinating. I like this idea. I like this a lot because I didn't even pick up that there was seven named characters on the Dawn Treader. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's something I would have picked up sooner. All right. I like it. I like it. I like where you're at. We'll keep an eye out for more of that. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, in addition to the seven deadly sins, which is uh, canon, um, (laughs) we're going to, we're going to follow this thread and see where it goes. Okay. Absolutely. Let's do it. Cool. All right. We well, have some stuff to talk about before we close the podcast. Do we? Um, so I believe pretty soon we're going to actually have something available up on our Patreon, are we not? Are we? I, I think that's what we've talked about because we have it? something that we're going to do. I don't remember. Everything <laughs> from the last hour is a little hazy. You want to keep using that, don't you? It's like, <laughs> it just seems so confused. Yeah, it's a very convenient uh, fabrication. Anyway... <laughs> So you want to talk a little bit about that, Kristen? What are we going to try to do? Absolutely. So recently we were guests on another podcast, Mm -hmm. um, Spiritual Underaction, and you should listen to their episodes. They have a lot. We have a lot of fun listening to them, and we had a lot of fun guesting on the podcast with them. In the course of setting up for that record, one of the hosts of that show jokingly said, we are going to ask you some questions about The Hobbit because we think it will be funny. Which Chris and I responded to thinking was actually real and both read The Hobbit in a hurry within that week so that we would be ready for questions asked about The Hobbit. Yep. Spoiler, no questions about The (laughs) Hobbit were asked. However, Chris and I decided that we should record an episode or two, maybe three since there were three movies, um, uh, discussing The Hobbit and we will be posting those episodes or that episode depending on how it formats out on the patreon Mm -hmm. so if you are interested in listening to that and you are not already a part of our patreon we will be sure to announce when it's actually up in full and And i'm super excited about this that will be at patreon.com slash chronically podcast sorry anyway super excited about this because uh we read the hobbit and i don't want to give too much away (laughs) but if chris were rating these books but but Man, it's just so much better than any individual book in this series. <laughs> I just, and, and that's that's gonna be like a rant I go on. It's just, just, I like reading it again as an adult because The Hobbit is not a book that I've read for many years and actually forgot a lot of the plot points from it. Uh, but reading it again as a as a thirty something, especially reading it at the same time as uh, The Chronicles of Narnia, there's just a a, a vast difference in. <laughs> The, the style of the writing that we'll dive into. Uh, but I enjoyed it, and I'm excited about doing these episodes because I'm committed to doing more than one. But, uh, okay. Yeah. Absolutely. So there's that. So if you are interested in hearing that, we will share when those episodes are up, and those will be up at patreon.com slash chronicallypodcast, where if you are willing to pay for them, they'll be on the paywall. But that will be available there. Yep. For our patrons. Cool. We actually have something after, you know, two years of doing this show. <laughs> we, we will have something. <laughs> and with that said, if you are interested in giving us your thoughts, your summaries, your rewrites on these chapters that we are doing, you can do that along with us at Chronically Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, at Chronically Pod on Twitter. Or you can email us your fan art of a golden statue face down in the blue-green stones at the bottom of the lake. And you can do that at chronicallypodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Next week we will be discussing Chapter 9, The Island of the Voices. Ooh, that's a spooky title. We'll see what happens. People might be listening to podcasts on the island without headphones. Wow. And just an who, island of voices. Who does that? This is an island of voices, <laughs> uh-huh. much like our podcast. Uh-huh.
That should have been the name of our podcast. This should have been Island of Voices. That would have been good. Yeah. yeah. If, if only, only I had known. If only you had read the books. Mm-hmm. Until next time, don't drink strange water with uh, statues of dead men in it. And if you're going to investigate a weird lake with a statue of a dead man in it, wear some shoes. Always, always, <laughs> always wear shoes. Always wear shoes. That's, that's, that's our takeaway here. Also, be sure to know the difference between the weight of gold and the weight of lead. That's important to some context, I'm sure. It is, indeed. Mm-hmm. See you next week. See ya. first thing that we do when we discuss the chapter is to uh do something yeah the first thing we do when we uh the first thing we do (laughs) in a new chapter as we're trying really hard to record i mean also they're also like they're also wait let me redo that whole thing because i said also three times in a sentence Mm mm-hmm Rinse his back, he's running a bit low. What? His what? His backy. His what now? <laughs> that can, one tickled you. Can I quote you on that? <laughs> um, occasionally. I was going to say something there, I have no idea what. Anywho. And lines up and starts like heaving and hoeing. Uh, if that's... That's the proper parlance for that, I think. Maybe. And trying to are shove... You, are you heaving or are you hoeing? Um, there's no farm on this ship. Anyway. <laughs> Especially after we lost the chickens in the storm. <laughs> yeah. So, anywho. What makes me feel like I'm not crazy, at least. There you but, go. Uh, that's, that's for baseless speculation at the end of this chapter. We'll get there. Told everybody that he got... Deaded and run away, run away, run away.